welcome to Punta Vista Socialist Club. It is episode 37. I'm Andrew. I'm here with Ben. Hello. Hello, Ben. All the way up there in first place. How's it feel? It feels great. That's good. That's how I want you to feel. Um, and right down at the bottom. Right down in the uh-huh. dirt. Right down in the muddy you ditch. Know, you know, I haven't actually been in the in first place for a while. It's just interesting to me. Uh, well, look, Lucy is is dead last this week because um, we just had to spend a lot of time uh, trying to get her, her gaming rig, where she does all of her professional racism, uh, to work for <laughs> long enough for us to do the show. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's why, why you've been relegated to just the... Fair enough. I, I will accept it. Yep. You've been relegated to the Theo spot. Uh, Theo is not with us. <laughs> he's, uh, he's doing a thing. Do you know what he's doing, Ben? What's he doing? Uh, I believe he's doing some sort of soldering course or at least some part of his degree that requires him to do something to do with soldering. Mm-hmm. It's very masculine for Theo. Yeah. Very masculine. He is absolutely going to burn himself with a soldering iron and it's not even going to be turned on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I stepped on a uh, turned on soldering iron in bare feet when I was a kid. Oh, don't do that. Why was why was it so turned on? Had it had it been watching pornography? Uh, on, <laughs> that's true. That's the only thing that turns anyone on, isn't it, Lucy? <laughs> yeah, it's the o- only totally. way to become aroused. <laughs> it is uh, is to visit the hub of porn to view pornography. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I I'm pretty sure that the class is just going to involve them being handed lengths of solder and then just having to bend them back and forth till they snap. And then it'll be like, you did it. Well, that seems safer, yeah. Well done, Theo. Yeah. Well, it's nice and safe. Uh, so, folks, it's been, a, it's been another one of these weeks of lots of eventful stuff happening in Australian politics. Now, I should, I should just pause that sentence to say, not eventful in the sense of, of like, improving anyone's life or, you know, any, any kind of policies or any of that sort of stuff. Um, just sheer political bullshit drama because, of course, there's nothing going on at the moment in terms of um, the government actually trying to run the country. Uh, it's just it's sheer pants-shitting panic on just about every level. Um, every attempt to kind of calm things down just makes it a lot worse. Uh, but before we get into that, there's just a little a little clip that we thought would um, be worth playing. Uh, and that is, of course, from a Nationals MP today, uh, who blessed us with another beautiful turn of phrase uh, when she was describing um, how, how Australia should, of course, this is the standard Nationals line, um, Australia, what you got to do is really lean into the mining. Um, if there's one thing we should be doing, it's digging up as much coal as possible. Uh, and sending it wherever for money, because that's apparently the only thing Nationals MPs are interested in. Uh, but as part of her speech, uh, she dropped a sweet, sweet little jam on us. Should we take a listen? If we do not exploit our natural advantages, we will fail as a nation and be relegated to the annals of history as a nation that wasted a continent. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> that- <laughs> You heard, you heard her, folks. Relegated to the butthole of history. Incredible. Uh, She's right. Look, who among us... She's not wrong. ...hasn't only ever read a word and never had to say it out loud? Oh, <laughs> uh, I wonder if her, like, speechwriter was just off to the side going... Oh. Um, it's, it's definitely... I think it's definitely the best one of that type of thing since... Um, Former Prime Minister, um, disgraced former Prime Minister, uh, dropped his absolute classic, um, I may not be the suppository of all wisdom. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that was that was a really good one. And I feel like that was the last really classic, um, uh, like, genital or butthole-related slip of the tongue for a politician. Um, so, I, I really enjoyed this one, you know? I was very into it. I was... 
There was like the so the camera angle that that video comes from. There's only someone on like the nationals, like a backbencher or whatever, in the distance behind her. I was really hoping that his eyes were just going to go wide in terror or something at the moment, but he doesn't appear to react because uh, he's a apparently very humorous Aww. man. Hmm. Hmm. So um, <laughs> shout out to Nationals MP Michelle Landry uh, for what I'm sure is pretty much going to be your only noteworthy contribution to discourse in your time uh, in the government. So moving on to other people who are not having a great time at the moment, um, we have, of course, Michaelia Cash. We'll say it with a, with a big um, question mark. I think so. She was she was the minister yep. for women, uh, and she got is, she got pulled from that one for just being really really shit at her job in Germany. Mm. Hmm. I think so. Uh, so so Ben, take us through, if you will, a little bit of the history leading up to her current predicament, um, which I believe started off last year with some raids. Uh, you're absolutely right. If you cast your mind back to the year 2017, in the month of October, uh, the Australian Federal Police conducted an aid, uh, fucking Jesus, conducted a raid on the Melbourne and Sydney offices of the Australian Workers Union, uh, and a few people at the time were somewhat perturbed uh, at the fact that there were already camera crews from like seven and nine setting up outside before the police arrived. Uh, I'm not, you know, a, a, a police expert. I just think generally raids work better if the people don't have time to hide stuff. Mm, if they're more of a surprise, you know? Yes. But of course, mm. uh, this raid wasn't about finding anything. It was about entrenching the idea that unions are corrupt. So, uh, say you're a minister or ministers that's in the anti-union conservative party in Australia and you want to perpetuate that idea uh, and for some reason you know a raid is happening on those unions, uh, it would be really beneficial to you if all the news crews saw it. So you give them a tip off. You tell them that it's going to happen and that is what happened. Somebody from within the office of Michaelia Cash uh, told... Uh, well, no one knows quite how many people they told or even how they were told. Um, but there were quite a few. Obviously, there were news crews there. And as Alice Workman from BuzzFeed News reported, uh, at least two journalists came to them and said that they had been told. Uh, in the wake of that, someone was let go from Michaelia Cash's office, although... I don't think someone was let go from Michaelia Cash's office. It... Um, I would say somebody was thrown under the bus slash somebody fell on their sword basically to shield Michaelia Cash from further scrutiny because, yeah, the, the timeline was that she was being questioned about this by um, uh, in the Senate and she had spent the entire day saying, I don't know anything about this, I don't know anything about this. Um, and then they, they broke, they had like the dinner break and uh, she came back and said, oh, my most senior chief of staff has just informed me uh, that he made the media aware of this stuff and I have accepted his resignation so everyone can stop asking questions now. I don't even know if they were that explicit about it. I don't think they said this is why we let him go. I think they just said we let go someone from the staff. Uh, and obviously it was clearly them just throwing someone under a bus I'd very much I know, it was, it was the specific dude, because remember how he disappeared for a while? Like, the police wanted to interview him, and they just couldn't find him for weeks and weeks until he eventually turned up again? Well, that was quite strange. It's a whole thing. I, whole just, thing. I don't think they ever actually said, we let him go because he told the police. I don't remember them, I mean, told those journalists. They've just been super vague with their language ever since it happened. So, And we've, we've spoke about... Well, we spoke about this on the podcast when it happened, uh, about how there was a bit of a, a furor around this because a bunch of establishment journos believed that this was Alice Workman betraying her sources, even though she didn't name the dude. Uh, and she was just speaking on what she'd been told 
from other journalists. And also there was this weird contention that this was basically the same as exposing a whistleblower, even though the person who was, quote, whistleblowing, unquote, was doing it in the further service of the government, you know? like uh, So it was all pretty ridiculous. Oh, there were there were of course a lot of a lot of questions and a lot of suspicion about the idea that um, you know, like like you were saying, it's a it is a government that has made absolutely no secret about its um, I would go so far as to say virulent loathing of unions. Um, they pretty much try to scapegoat unions for anything to do with any kind of employment or unemployment issues or workplace relations type issues or anything like that. Um, there's been a whole bunch of essentially show trials over the last couple of years about this sort of stuff, which haven't really turned up anything significant or satisfactory for them. Um, and in fact, that raid was about that, that very thing. Um, what they, what they claimed that they were doing the raid for, that they were looking for was a document that they wanted the union to turn over to them. Uh, and it turned out after doing the raid and getting all the media there to film it and having the front pages for for that, you know, for the next day be, you know, union raided by police to have the nice, very clear imp- implication of, you know, unions doing dodgy stuff and being guilty of crimes. Uh, and it turned out that the documents that they were looking for were already on the public record because they had been sub- like voluntarily given over by the union um, during the Royal Commission into, into uh, you know, union, union activities, union crookedness. Um, so, yeah, like, I think there were a lot of questions that people raised about not just the legitimacy of the raids in that sense, in that it was very clearly for nothing other than staging an anti-union photo op, um, but also it kind of made people go, so, like, why were the police doing this? Did the government ask the police to do this? Now, it's worth noting at this point that the government did create uh, the um, the Registered Organizations Commission. Is that what the ROC stands for again? Yeah, and so they, they created this body, which was supposed to be, you know, like an, an impartial body to, to sort of um, administer. Yeah, the Registered Organizations Commission, the Independent Regulator of Unions and Employer Associations. So essentially, it's a body that um, a conservative government set up to be able to allow them to try to police unions, but also attempt to sort of give themselves this this shield of separation from it. And essentially, what it really looked like to people is that the government had asked the ROC to um, ask the police to do a raid on the AWU. Uh, so there's been another recent revelation, which has kind of aided in that assessment, which is that, um, again, Alice Workman, um, who I believe we can all agree is a bloody ledge, Mm -hmm. absolute ledge. So yeah, yesterday, uh, a journalist came to Buzzfeed, um, confidentially and told them that their TV newsroom had been tipped off by someone who was from, uh, justice minister, Michael Keenan's office an hour before the raids. So, um, that starts to kind of draw a much clearer line between essentially the police being directed to carry out this raid by the government and then uh, a bunch of people from uh, ministerial offices backgrounding journalists to get them to the raid. It's super dodgy. Mm. Um, there haven't really been any satisfactory explanations about it. Dodgy all round. Um, it was definitely, it was definitely uh, another one of the recent issues, like the whole Barnaby Joyce debacle that we've covered in in detail lately. Um, it was another one of these issues where it's it's been a really bad look on, like from both sides of the fence. Um, I, I remember thinking at the time while all of the stuff was happening around those raids that I didn't really see like many conservative people online saying, yeah, awesome stuff. They were more sort of saying, what's going on here? Like, it really looks like Turnbull has directed this to happen so that he can smear his political opponents. Yeah. And that's probably not a great way to use the police. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't think anyone thinks that that's a good good use of the police. Yeah, well, I think it, you know, once once you've even managed to to piss off like you know conservatives, um, once once you've also managed to piss off like pro union and pro police people with the same move, uh, again, oh, yeah, yeah, you fucked up big time. Probably fucked up. Uh, so all of this leads us on to uh, the events of the last couple of days. So so continue, Ben. Yeah, so uh, because Senate estimates started this week, uh, which for our international listeners and people who don't care about the boring stuff in politics is uh, these uh, a couple of separate times a year for a few weeks, uh, senators are formed in committees where they grill public servants uh, about how money is being spent in the country. I mean, it's ostensibly it's to see how the budget is doing in theory, uh, but in practice, it's mainly anything people want to get to the bottom of uh, in the government. They do it at Senate estimates. It's it's infinitely it's infinitely spicier than Question Time. Oh, hundred uh, percent. Uh, mainly because while there is a chair there, they're not as uh, empowered as a speaker and the rules are slightly less strict so people uh, say the craziest shit to each other they also do it over the course of like 16 hour days so people will be there at like 11 o'clock at night having been there all day and they're just screaming at each other so it's a lot of fun which is great because that's that's when people have their like um their you can't handle the truth moments you know <laughs> oh, it's all been going it's on too long truly wonderful uh, after Lucy and I got shunted off SBS comedy because the government shut it down. We had now former Senator Scott Ludlam uh, go into bat for mm-hmm. us in Senate estimates and grill uh, the head of the SBS over... Thank you, Scott. Uh, ...why we were shut down and if he could get any... He tried to get um, a list of all the complaints that were ever made from ministerial officers, but the government refused to give it up. Uh, but that was... <laughs> it's very nice of him. It's a good boy. Uh, kisses yep. to Scott Ludlam. Mwah. Mm. Mwah. Kisses just gone. Uh, yeah, so uh, estimates started, and this was going to be one of the big spicy things uh, to to come up, and Michaela Cash got grilled, and in the course of uh, Labor Senator Doug Cameron asking questions about the four staff that left Cash's office in the 120-something days since the raid took place, uh, she snapped. Uh, and started to threaten to out people for some sort of unspoken misconduct in Bill Shorten's office. Uh, so the most important pull quote from this was where she said, if you want to start discussing staff matters, be very, very careful, because I'm happy to sit here and name every young woman in Mr. Shorten's office over which rumors in this place abound. If you want to go down that path today, I will do it. And this... Uh, Plays very much into what you've been saying, Andrew, because uh, Julie Bishop did a similar thing during the Joyce affair, uh, where she got asked about Joyce and she said, "Oh, well, I could name people who've been doing other things," which just sort of shows that they don't care about the act itself or think that it's bad. They're just trying to smear dirt. Yeah, there's no actual baseline standard. It is essentially. Um, but but have other people been doing things just as bad as us? It's um I, I guess like to me it's it's as though people sort of took the logic that used to be bandied about around like um uh, political donations, taking donations from lobbyists, that kind of stuff, where everybody's logic used to basically be oh well. You know, the other side's taking these donations. And if we don't, then we'll be less resourced than them by comparison. And we still want to win. So, we kind of we kind of got to do it to be in the game. You know, it's not, it's not a bad thing if the other side's doing it. Or like, we can't be criticized if everyone's doing it. That kind of thing. Um, so, mm-hmm. it's like people have taken that logic and just extended it to absolutely every shitty part of Australia's political system at the moment. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I said at the time, I was watching that footage of people going into a dinner at the Prime Minister's house and yep, Julie Bishop's comment when asked about it was, uh, people in glass houses, she said, before snidely turning and, 
and walking in and another MP who was coming in put it much more explicitly by saying, oh, well, if that's the road they want to go down, you know, we can start digging dirt too. We can start, you know, putting stuff in there. Uh, although I did see a, a piece from, um, I think uh, I was looking at the, the Guardian's live blog of the day's events um, in which Catherine Murphy from The Guardian was commenting on it and saying that she she is just genuinely completely stunned um, by what seems to be the government's willingness to essentially say, ah, well, if, if people are going to say stuff about us, then we are just going to throw mud at absolutely everyone and see what sticks. Um, not, not because, like, she thinks they're better people than that or anything, purely as a political tactic, because, as she was saying, the problem is that when you say, all right, we're going to open the Pandora's box of you know, hurling accusations at other people, digging into their private lives, unearthing all their dirty secrets, you don't get to choose when that gets closed again. Uh, You don't then get to turn around and define what's off limits for your own party. You're basically just saying it's absolutely all in. And I feel like it's kind of safe to say that if you look back over the last 10 years of Australia's political history, um, the party that has more often than not been caught in absolutely shameless graft, uh, you know, exploitation of political donations, um, the, um, what's the the thing I'm thinking of, expenses, Mm. all the expenses scandals and stuff has pretty much been the liberals through and through. Uh, yeah, yeah, all their pork barreling stuff. Um, almost, almost as if, uh, they're bad people. Hmm. Almost as though they are mm. shitty people, devoid of any form of uh, moral or ethic bounds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this this week has certainly not done anything to change my opinion on that matter. Um, particularly regarding, yeah, Michaela Cash's behavior on this whole thing in general, which... Uh, yeah, like I said, it just doesn't seem to matter what it is with this government. As soon as anything is mentioned, they immediately make it about Labour and go into full-on attack mode. And um, I don't think I would be the first person to say that it's probably because they have absolutely fucking nothing else to talk about. They have no political agenda to speak of. They have no like policies to advance beyond just cutting money from things or that kind of shit. So, you know, I guess guess all you can do is get into just fights. Fights, fights, fights. I think they should fight. I think they should mm. physically fight. Oh, now this brings me to a point. This brings me to a point, um, which is very much like the Barnaby Joyce thing. The reaction to Michaela Cash's comments here have been um, just, just everybody is roundly dumping on her. Um, people from all sides of politics are all just saying, wow, what an extremely shit look. Um, and I caught a little snippet of um, Peter Credlin, who is uh, former Prime Minister Tony Abbott's former Chief of Staff. Uh, she, of course, was the one who got him elected by helping him employ a 100% attack dog, super negative election campaign um, and then helped him employ a 100% negative attack dog political agenda once in office and helped him uh, get thrown out of his own uh, get thrown out of the prime ministership by his own party less than halfway through his term Um, so of course Sky News thought to themselves now there is a genius political mind let's put her on a TV show Uh, and she also has the personality to go with it folks um, her face essentially does not move while she's talking and her tone of voice never changes. It's fantastic stuff. Great viewing. Wow. You're right. Yep. Yep. Totally worth paying for a subscription to Sky News. <laughs> um, anyway, she had her show and had, um, friend of the show, Shari Markson, um, editor of the awful gutter rag Daily Telegraph on, and they were both absolutely panning uh, Michaelia Cash using a lot of phrases like disgusting, um, you know, embarrassing, all this kind of stuff saying, 
it's absolutely inexcusable for her to turn around and in an attempt to attack a political opponent just completely shit all over um, all of the young women trying to make it in politics. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, Lucy, mm, as the shows... You being a good ally? As uh, the well, shows I wa- what? <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you, as the show's... The show's only gamer. The show's token gamer... Um, how do you feel about Michaelia's abuse of, of women and is she doing it right? <laughs> As in, do, do I think she could be more abusive to women? <laughs> yeah, would yeah. She... How's, how's her, how's her, how's her trolling? Uh, I mean, she, she could have finished it with like a really long bitch, but you know, she did her best. That's, uh, look, it's pretty shitty. It's a pretty shitty way to behave if you're a woman in politics, but. I don't know. I think it's just fucking stupid. The whole thing's stupid. Everyone has had sex with their staffers. It's just it's just the way I picture it going down in Parliament House. That that place would be if you got a black light over Parliament House, I think it would not be pretty. <laughs> Look like a Jackson Pollock up in here. <laughs> fucking blue poles in there, exactly. A a Jack off Pollock. Mm. More like it. Uh a a, a Jack off pole sack. Um. <laughs> anyway, no Jackson Pollock. Oh, oh, is that his name? Yeah, you were just saying it. Oh, you? I thought you were actually going to respect me as a woman just then and ask for like a woman's opinion. Be nice, nice to be treated treated like a lady on here some days. A, a woman's perspective. <laughs> yes. Hmm. We don't see gender. Oh, okay. No, sorry. Let me. Okay. Let let me let me go back and try that again. Lucy. Um. Hmm. As as the show's only female host, do mm. you think that Michaelia Cash was on her period when she made these comments? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, I do, <sighs> Andrew. Like, as, as a woman, oh, I, I, can, I can solidly say that she was, uh, she was on the rag. <laughs> yeah, we can tell. We can tell. Oh, jeez. It, it do be like that. It do be like that, though. <laughs> It do, in fact, be like that. Oh, my I'm goodness. I'm kind of interested, though, because my, my first reading of this, like when I saw the thing Cash said, I didn't pass it as a slur against the women. I thought it was a slur against Shorten. Yeah, I thought I it thought was too. I thought she was saying that Short- Shorten was a horn dog yeah. who's, who's fucking all the women. Uh, well, she also mentioned Tony Windsor. No, sorry, not Tony Windsor. Tony Burke, um, who I'm not sure if there there was some deal in the past with him having an affair with someone or whatever. Like personally, I don't really give a fuck. Um, it's 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 just like we were saying with the Barnaby Joyce stuff. Like if you if you're having an affair with someone, like wh- whatever, it's no one's business. It's not a great move or whatever. If you're into moralizing about that sort of stuff. Who knows? Who knows the ins and outs of somebody's fucking personal life? Whatever. I don't really give a shit. Um, if if you're abusing like taxpayer money to facilitate that relationship, or having you know two hundred thousand dollar a year roles created just to shuffle someone into them, just to get yourself out of the hot water you got yourself into, that shit and that deserves to be talked about. And if you are having a relationship with someone at work who is your subordinate, it obviously creates uh, big conflicts of interest and wouldn't be allowed at any other remotely professional workplace in Australia. Um, so it's just, it's fucking reasonable when that stuff comes up to say, it's not cool. But like, but also as far as I know, there is no evidence of those other things that we're talking about with those other people. Essentially, all Michaela Cash was saying was, Ah, well, I'll just rattle off every rumor I've ever heard, which is literally nothing other than saying, ah, well, you know, I'll, I'll just throw some mud. I'll just, I'll just do some dirt file shit. It's still just the complete misunderstanding of what the issue is with Barnaby Joyce. Like, no, nobody cares about the sex part and it's still just focusing on that. Yeah, and like... As though they can be like, oh, well, Labor's done it too. And and look, I mean, like, realistically speaking, of course it would make sense for 
like parliament and the senate and stuff to to be an environment that is sort of like rife for people having an aff- having affairs and everything because the majority of people there would be spending most of their time working there away from their families for whatever chunk of the year. Um, of course, that is the kind of environment that is going to make people lonely and do stupid shit and all that sort of stuff. Um, all, all the regular sort of environments that seem to produce that kind of thing. But like you're saying, that's, that's not really the issue. Um, yeah, the, the issue is purely that it really seemed like... Well, I mean, I mean, the issue was essentially that she was, she she was saying that just to distract from being asked about who had replaced the staffer of hers who tipped off the police. That was what she got asked about. That brought it all on. It was a it was a very bold uh, miscalculation. A like bold I'm sure game, you could just see the wheels like ticking over in her head, just being like, "Aha! If I tap into the zeitgeist, this will get him." And then just have every single person just be like, you fucking dumb shit. <laughs> like, whoa. Um, uh, yes, it was It was right up there on... Uh, everybody loved it on Twitter when uh, Penny, Penny Wong, who happened to be strolling past this hearing at this very moment, I assume, um, heard this, came in and said, ah, it's pretty shit. Um if you know, if unless you're willing to actually back that up in any way, shape, or form, you should probably apologize uh, to the people whose reputations you are impugning. Uh, and Michaelia Cash then gave an extremely qualified non-apology, uh, and uh, you know, Boomer Labor Twitter then went crazy with uh, Yas Queening. Oh, uh, Penny Wong forced her to apologize. Mm. Um, and the apology, of course, was her just her saying, if if anyone has been offended by my remarks, I withdraw them, which is uh, a, yes, which is essentially just just a way to say, number one, what I said wasn't wrong. Number two, I technically withdraw them from the record so that I can't be forced to back them up or do anything about it. Yeah, with facts. Yeah. Um, and of course, as plenty of people pointed out, uh, Michaela Cash was also the Minister for Women for several years. She was. She uh, was indeed. Yep. Uh, so she seems to have a really great attitude towards, uh, you know, women working around Parliament, all that sort of thing. Although, as Ben said, it's obviously directed at Bill Shorten. And yeah, Tony I Windsor. think it was. It was a Bill Shorten own. You guys reckon he's a horn dog? Well, Billy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't look that horny to me. He's. Um, I, don't know, I reckon. He, I reckon he's horny. It's even worse for me to picture than Joyce being horny. He's oh, just Bill so. Being horny. Mm. Yeah, I do not enjoy that mental image at all. I feel like he'd be like politely horny. Mm. Oh no, he'd be. He'd be a creep. You he'd be like a. He'd be a capital N, capital G, nice guy. Hundred percent. Oh, I, I thought I thought yeah. you meant like a super sex creep, like a he's into the weird stuff kind of guy. Oh no, he's into very normal stuff, but it'll never happen for him. Hmm. Um. Oh, okay. Quick, quick question. Um. Uh. Well, like we all know, Malcolm Turnbull's having some boring sex. So I assume that's fine. Um. hundred oh, percent. Once a year, of, missionary lights off. Yep. Uh. Out of Bill Shorten and Tony Abbott. Who are both, uh, as far as I know, good good private school boys and all that kind of thing. Um, Tony Abbott has his extreme Catholic psychosis. Um, mm-hmm. Who who gets freakier? There's definitely a self-flagellation element to Abbott's fucking. Yeah. You reckon? No, oh, he's the the albino guy from fucking Da Vinci Code. Just, like, beating the shit out of himself while he jerks off. Whacking himself with the rosary Oh, because he's, like, he's, like, mad at himself. Mm. Like, yeah, Christian he's ashamed. type thing. He's, oh, yeah, he's into the shame. His impure thoughts. Uh, and also, I would note that, like, uh, you know, Bill Shorten likes to go for a run and stuff, but he just, he looks like kind of regular, a regular level of fitness, so he would probably just do some normal, some normal sex, whereas Tony Abbott is, is insanely unnaturally fit. 
Mm. Yeah, I reckon he just like he he pounds oh, it out just for like an hour straight. He does that real like that real jackhammering. Oh. Just just till the sun comes up. Anyway, I'm not comfortable with that at all. I'm 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 very sorry. I've been I've been game streaming. I'm <laughs> I'm forget where I am. Forget the etiquette. Uh, so we'll come back to that in a second. But just to just to round out this particular instance, um. Just for, just for one final super good look for the day, uh, Michaela Cash was coming into a, a Senate estimates hearing uh, this afternoon, and Parliament House's security guards, uh, as she was coming down the hall, rolled a big whiteboard out to block the view of um, of reporters who were filming down the hallway to get footage of her coming in. Um, there's a there's wow. a wonderful video of them rolling the whiteboard out and then all of the cameramen audibly laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it reminded me immediately of that footage from a couple of weeks ago when um when Donald Trump was golfing at one of his golf courses yet again on the weekend and as everybody has been mocking him for relentlessly about spending like 70% of his presidency fucking golfing um so there were some reporters outside across the road trying to get some shots of him golfing through the trees as they do and a big white panel van pulled up um and parked across the streets directly between them and where they were shooting uh, so they moved down a couple of meters and then the panel van just rolled forward like five meters and then they moved back to where they were and the panel van started backing up. Uh, and it was very clear that somebody had had the super awesome scheme of, I know, what if we subtly pull a giant truck out there and try to block them? They won't even know that we're doing it on purpose as we roll forward and backwards by like five meters. And I, I immediately thought that somebody must have taken inspiration from that extremely Machiavellian move and thought, ah, what if we just, what if we very, very subtly roll a large whiteboard into the hall just as she's walking in? <laughs> oh, to make it even sweeter, uh, the Channel 9 news cameras at some other juncture before that had managed to zoom in enough on her phone while she was texting someone to show the text conversation saying, hey, I would like to avoid the cameras. Yep, which is, of course, what you always say when you haven't done anything wrong and you are not currently embattled or getting slammed in the media. Yeah. It's very normal to do. I need a side entrance. I need a whiteboard. So uh, we'll see if she hangs in there. We will see if she hangs in there. Um, I think she should have gone. Well, she like she should have gone before all the AWU raid stuff. She should have been gone after she, you know, instituted an internship program that very shockingly turned out exactly like everybody said, and was just a, a f- fucking lower than minimum wage employment farm for small businesses. Uh, and lo and behold, that was what everybody who went to do those PATH internships uh, reported them as being. She's also um, got a hey, really, she's got a stupid name. She does? It's irrelevant. Poorly, but it's poorly spelled. It's a bad name. It's stupid. Uh, I think it's a name for idiots. Well, you're allowed to say that because you're a woman. I, I can't make fun of her name or her appearance. I certainly can't make fun of her hair. Definitely not be very inappropriate of me to make fun of her hair yeah it would be it would be bad for you to say that she has stupid hair i agree mm, it'd be a bad look for me to describe it as as looking like a big fiberglass mold of a space helmet stuck to her head it would be uh, unkind of me to describe it as being like um eric banner's ray martin wig that he used to wear on full frontal <laughs> and i wouldn't say that i wouldn't say it I'm I'm glad you wouldn't. I appreciate your allyship always. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so let's come back. Let's come back a few minutes. Um, so Lucy, folks, Lucy's a Twitch streamer now. I am. Streaming on Twitch. Why don't you tell the people what that's all about? Uh, my stream's very bad because I don't have the NBN. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I play games. Sounds good and so far. everyone in my chat... Everyone in my chat, because they're mostly people that listen to this podcast or follow me on Twitter, starts talking about stuff like uh, whether Jesus 
uh, ejaculated on the cross and other such topics. It's a good time, really. No. Well, hold his on arms a were very busy. <laughs> hold, well, hold, on, on, hold, on. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just need to clarify. Do they mean like he ejaculated while he was up there, or that he ejaculated onto the cross, perhaps before yeah, he got yeah. on? Yeah. So uh, I can't remember how this came up. I'm I'm pretty sure I probably brought it up. But like, what if Jesus was like <laughs> he he was just into he was into a bit of a bit of pain. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, he he couldn't jack off, but he was just he was just like really into what was happening. Well, that was the passion of the Christ, you know? That was the passion of the Christ. Nice. I haven't seen that movie, but I assume that's mostly what happens. Yeah. They're making a sequel. Why? Uh, the Passion of the Christ 2? Christ Harder? Yeah. To Christ Too Furious? <laughs> Apparently. Uh, it's set in the, the brief period... Uh, after he's resurrected and he, he appears to a bunch of people and then when he, he disappears. Uh, Mel Gibson's working on it at the moment. He's got the guy that paid Jesus in the first one. Uh, he's oh, back. But the first one wasn't... Jim, Jim Cavaziel, I believe. Yeah, that guy. I don't know him from anything else. Uh, he, was the, he was the bad guy in the Count of Monte Cristo movie from the 2000s starring Guy Pearce. No, wait, oh, Guy Pearce was, was the bad guy and he was the good guy. I take that back. Wow. Well, Depends how you feel about... No, I think it's pretty objective from the Count of Monte was right in that movie. <laughs> uh, he was also in... Oh, he was the bad warden in the recent uh, straight-to-DVD movie Escape Plan, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone on the small screen together for the very first time. <laughs> Incredible. Mm. Uh, Vinnie Jones is a mean guard at the prison, which is most roles that he does now. Oh, I do love Vinnie Jones. Yeah. Uh, well, mm, can't think of much else. Can't think of much else he was in. He was in The Thin Red Line. How about that? Well, I mean, like 500 actors were in The Thin Red Line and most of them were cut from the movie and very upset about it. Looking at you, yes. Adrian Brody. Yes. You whiny I was, bitch. I was just reading about that recently where apparently in the original, in the shooting of that film, uh, Adrian Brody... Was, was basically the lead character. Most of the plot seemed to revolve around him. Uh, he, he was off in the jungle for months. He recorded all this footage. He did voiceovers, all this sort of stuff. And he turned up at the premiere and brought his family. And then he was not in the movie. Oh, wow. so good. And like, oh. in fairness, there is not a main character in that movie. Yeah. I need to rewatch that. Actually, I haven't seen it for ages. I got it on Blu-ray sitting there. It's a visual treat. What's the name of the director? Why can't I remember? Terrence Malick. Oh, thank he's you. wonderful. Thank you. Tell you what, uh, official recommendation of the show, hoe into a Terrence Malick movie if you've got four hours to spare and you don't need a plot. Just get it up here. Just get a bit of Terrence right up here. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, let's, let's, quickly, let's quickly whip through... Uh, one other story, and then that's probably all we're going to have time for on this one. Um, there was an interesting tale that surfaced this week um, about tale. a you tale. Just make it sound like it's something that someone brought up a, like a <laughs> medieval tavern. Yes, yes. Uh, someone is spinning a tale. Uh, Playing a lute. Once upon a time, uh, local supermarket giant Woolworths. So basically, in Australia, if you're not from here, um, there are two chains of supermarkets that pretty much have a, a monopoly, a dual stranglehold on the old supermarket market. Uh, and that is Woolworths and Coles. Uh, Woolworths but not your owns... Coles. It's not the American Coles. It's I didn't know there was different. an American Coles. It's oh, yeah, like K KO. Right, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, no, this is... A different Coles, a whole other different Coles. Um, it's also a different Woolworths. Yes, uh, they they also have Woolworths. Hmm. Um, so that company, which also owns Big W, the W is probably for Woolworths. <laughs> um, what else would it be for, Ben? What else? Would There's it be no for? way to know for certain what it's for, so you got to hedge your bets with it. Probably big wieners. <laughs> it could be for <laughs> big wieners. Big get your, wieners. That's get very cheap. Big wieners. They don't want you to know that, but that's what it's called. Big big oh. wieners. <laughs> I don't want to endorse a giant mega corporation or whatever. I just want to say that if I was going to go to like the one of the big cheap stores, 
I always go to Kmart over Big W or Target because Kmart uh, whole number pricing across the board. They don't do four sixty five. They got whole numbers on everything. What have you? It's always four bucks. It's always three bucks. You know what? It's just even I if they're rounding up, that. I don't care. I like, I like the simplicity of it. I like it. Yeah. I'm uh, a simple so the, man. There you go, folks. Uh, when Ben is shopping for a place <laughs> that exploits Bangladeshi children, um, he makes sure to get his $5 dress shirt from Kmart. Is Kmart the American Kmart? Yes. Okay. But, but it's it the same not, logo. However, but I don't know it's the same company. It's, it's definitely not slave Kmart. labor, though. We can, we can all agree on that. Yes. Oh, 100%. Ben's uh, favorite, yeah. favorite store, Super Amart. Oh, God. I have one piece of furniture from Super Amart. <laughs> fucking sucks. It's just shit. It's so Everything bad. there fucking sucks. It's just That's the most awful. depressing place in the world. I hate going there. The whole experience is just very dehumanizing. The stores are big, empty, and sad. All the furniture is just like MDF with a thin veneer of like fake timber. What do you, oh, it's a timber veneer. That's what you call it. No. What do you call it when it's that... Uh, just a plastic laminate. layer. That's a, yeah, laminate. it's timber laminate. Uh, it's all very rickety. It's slightly more expensive than if you'd bought it from like Ikea or whatever. And it just looks like shit. Fuck to Super Amart. <laughs> I'm declaring a fatwa on Super Amart. Uh, today's show brought to you by Super Amart. Go into Super Amart and use the discount <laughs> code BUNTAVISTA. Go into Super Amart and kick the manager square in the balls. <laughs> Today's, well, all right, there's two things for you, folks. Today's Crime Pass, today's Buenta Vista Crime Pass, uh, you can visit a your local Super Amart and kick the manager of the store <laughs> directly in the testicles. Uh, um, I, I, actually, I would like to pause for a moment and say, uh, nice assumption on Ben's part that the only manager of a store can be a man. Oh, Okay, well, oh. nice assumption on your part that only men have balls. So oh, actually, fuck. fuck. I'm saying strictly <laughs> managers him. that have balls. I don't care what gender they are. You got him. Fuck. In fact, don't don't ask. <sighs> Just kick the manager of your nearest. I don't even care how far you drive. Just Any super Abart. Kick him in the forks. Fucking just drive a foot right up there to the point that it cartoonishly lifts them off the ground. Fucking destroy them. And then tell them that they should feel bad for working there, <laughs> even if they don't have a choice, because their shit sucks. And they suck. Their uniforms look like garbage. And they should feel true. ashamed. Uh, kick them in the groin right between however many legs that they have. Because not everybody has two legs. You're trying to Bit imply work. that I'm being ableist? Uh, no, I was just trying to make up for my slip before. I can't believe you got me, man. Damn it. Yeah, well. Unworkest of the week. Always, always uh, you know, thinking. I've not been inside a Super A Mart for like four years, and I don't know where this is coming from, but this is an opinion I feel very yeah, strong. You should see a therapist. You can, we man. can see. You're going to put you under hypnosis and like draw out some really bad Super A Mart memories. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be like horrible memories of being in a A Mart, all sports, and getting beaten up by jocks. It's just going to be a memory that you have repressed of like. um. Uh, just letting a burly middle-aged manager jack you off in a back room for a $10 discount on that piece of furniture that you fucking loathe. Every time you look at it, it fills you with a sick feeling. Is that accurate? That, I wasn't on board with that story until you said the loathing thing. I was like, I, uh, that's not a negative memory for me. If I get a discount on anything, regardless of who's jacking off who, I'm very happy with that exchange. Uh, but you're right. It's just a horrible colour. I wanted something black, but I ended up having to get this like kind of coffee brown. And because it's MDF, I got some... I'm oh, sorry, it's not even MDF, it's chipboard. I got some water on it at some point, and then, you know, the laminates come right off because the chipboard expanded. Is this the thing it that your, leans... your TV slash computer sits on? Oh, no, it's like a... It's where all my books are. It's one of those cube shelves. Yeah. Should have stuck with IKEA, pal. So there you have it, folks. Uh, a quick whirlwind tour of Australia's different uh, supermarket type. No, well, not supermarkets. None of the things we've described so far are supermarkets, really. <laughs> All right, but we started at supermarkets. We started with Woolworths and Coles. Everything else is basically just like a homewares and bullshit store. Anyway. Okay, so the point is that not only do they own all the supermarkets, yeah. they, they also, also own like, some other things. <laughs> everything. Uh, all of the hardware stores, all of the chemists, like 90% of Australia's bars and bottle shops are owned between either Woolworths or Coles. Yep. There's all the uh, uh, BWSs and um, I believe uh, BWS stands for 
uh, big Woolworth store? I believe it does, yeah. Uh, it actually stands for big, big wiener style. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, a part of the reason this works out super well for them is because uh, large, I can't remember the specific alcohol license. This might actually just be in Queensland, but uh, if you've got like a large venue license, you also kind of get a free license to have a bottle shop within something like a five kilometer radius or whatever. So, oh, they, wow. they generally own. If there's a BWS somewhere, they also own the pub that's around the corner or whatever. Uh, and they're slowly doing like in the Edgar Wright movie, bloody uh, End of the World. Yeah. World's End. Whatever the fuck that was called. It was the end of the world. But Yeah, where they're homogenizing all the pubs. Mm. That's what they're doing. Yeah. So, they own uh, something like 400 uh, pubs and clubs and stuff. Um, and a bunch of these have pokies in them, poker machines. Uh, for international listeners, Australia has a problem with um having po- serious having, problem having slot machines in uh, like um you know bars and and football clubs and that kind of thing. Um, RSLs, which are like. Yeah. Retire. We're just uh, introducing. We're getting just into like concepts, this labyrinth thing of one more concept that requires another explanation. Yeah, I know. I just want to like. I want to stress that it's very much not like other countries. Like in the UK, they might have like one or two poker machines in the pub, but we have like rooms full of like a hundred of them. Um, yeah, and it's and it's not. Yeah, it's not like in the states where you get um you know, a whole bunch of pokies at a casino in Vegas or wherever the fuck. Mm. They're just, they're just kind of in a lot of places where it feels like they shouldn't necessarily be. Um, so, so yeah, they, they are a thing with it that really are a bit of a scourge in Australia. Um, and so this story came out, some, uh, some brave whistleblower has come forward and said, Whistleblowers. Oh. Actually, it was two people. Several blowers of the whistles. Um, several tutors on the whistles of justice. Is that good? Tutors of justice. Yeah, that's beautiful, actually. Thank you. Are you a poet? Yeah, like uh, the, these people have come out and said, basically, that um, that they had been part of their work in these venues, had been to monitor the people playing on the poker machines um, compile databases of their of personal information about them down to things like what football teams they liked, what drinks they liked, what their names were, all this sort of stuff, um, so that the staff who worked at these places could chat them up, give them lots of free drinks, keep them happy. Um, the directives from management were essentially... Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll read a quote here um, from... So, so somebody's somebody's released some of the actual like uh, briefing sheets from these pubs. Um, they provided the names or identifying traits of each of the regulars, one of whom is identified by a first. <laughs> I forgot about this. This is Lucy's favorite part. Lucy's favorite part of this story. In a document entitled Gaming Daily Briefing Sheet, staff at one pub are provided the names or identifying traits of each of the regulars, one of whom is identified by her first name with the note, quote, Little Azin Lady. <laughs> so fucked up. Spelt A-S-I-N. So bad. The- <laughs> it's, it's fucking awful. There are also notes made recording the time some regulars enter. A note in red at the top of the page says, and this is all in capitals, um, I won't shout it, but I'd like you to imagine that it's all in capitals. We have a massive weekly target, 1.36 to beat. We need to beat. We need to be out on the floor really pushing drinks. It's tax time, so people will have more money to spend. Hand out drink cards. Be out there as much as possible. Do whatever you have to do to keep people in the room. Which is, uh, I think we can all admit. Super fucked up. Fucked up. I mean, that's insane. It, it's just so fundamentally dehumanizing as well. Like, other than just playing into people's addictions, which is fucking insane, you also kind of have to think that these people, these regulars are coming in, right? Being like, oh, that's lovely. They know my name. They give me drinks from time to time. This is a really nice little friendship that I've built up with this person. And the truth is, these people are cynically exploiting their warm feelings towards them to get them to bankrupt themselves on poker machines. Yeah. Um, 
Here's a quick fact for you, folks. Australia has more poker machines per person than any country in the world. Yeah, we fucked up. Um, we love them. It has nearly, nearly 200,000 machines, one for every 114 people. Hmm. No good. No good. They are... Yes, the pokey lobby here is relatively powerful, and there's a bunch of like fucking crazy uh, exemptions that uh, pokey pokey rooms get that regular bars and bar areas do not. Mm. In terms of opening hours and stuff, I'm pretty sure uh, that bars with poker machine rooms got exemptions for the licensing in Sydney uh, with the lockout laws. Or some form of them. I know that they definitely do in Queensland that uh, rooms are able to stay open later uh, just just because they're gambling rooms, which seems kind mm. of insane. Yeah. Fucked. Um, I'd like to give a big Buntu Vista fuck you to Woolworths. Yeah. Um, if mm. anything else. And to Coles. Well, you show me you show me their poker machine evidence. <laughs> no, my, my broader point was going to be that that surely this just goes to prove the point that at the end of the day there is no such thing as good corporate citizenship. Um, you know, all all these sorts of companies will have they'll have their charities that they do and they you know, they do their collecting the cards for donations for school supplies and that kind of shit. All that stuff is it's PR at the end of the day. Yeah. Um They've obviously made a calculation that it is worth uh, it's worth investing the money in that thing for the impact that it has on their reputation as a corporate citizen, which they can leverage into, you know, a more positive view of their brand. Uh, while in the background, they're doing this kind of stuff to just absolutely fuck people as hard as they can. Um, I mean, like that that part of that sheet absolutely killed me, where it was saying like it's tax time. People will have more money where they're, they're, you know, they're saying people people will have just got their tax refunds. They'll actually have a bit of spare money in the bank for once. Make sure you squeeze every last drop of that shit out of them. Uh, just the, the nakedness of the intention to exploit people with a gambling problem is, it's mm. stunning. It's quite jarring. Um, as a, as, so this was all... These two people came forward to uh, independent MP Andrew Wilkie, who's quite vocally anti-pokies. And, I mean, as he noted, uh, you know, this sort of pressure comes from the top down. It's not like this is individuals acting evilly. This is companies forcing this shit on them. Uh, he, he said a thing to the press either today or yesterday saying we shouldn't blame, blame the staff at these venues because I'm told they understand because they well understand that practice is deeply unethical. Indeed, the staff hate that they're being forced by Woolworths to spy on people and to use personal information to increase gambling, even though it was creating new pokies addicts. Yeah, and, um, uh, you know, obviously, as those people said who came forward, it was essentially a situation of, well, you can do that stuff or you can not have a job. Um, so, we're, you know, we're not necessarily blaming the individuals. Um and another thing that is worth noting just quickly, uh, there is a fast approaching state election in Tasmania, um, a little pubic hair shaped island down the bottom of the country. Um, and so they, they are having an election and quite bravely, the, uh, the Labour Party there, who is currently in opposition, has pledged to just ban poker machines in these types of venues if they get elected. Um, you know, they got enough problems there with their, with like their economy and poverty and unemployment rates and all that sort of stuff. Uh, they can clearly see that, you know, poker machines on the whole, uh, just do much more damage to people in society than they're doing anybody any good. And they've said, you know what, here's an idea. What if we just junk all those fucking things? Um, which personally, like, I think it's, I think that's an extremely brave policy. Um, good on them for doing it. There's there's also an obvious implication there that they won't be taking any money from the gambling lobby for this position. Uh, in fact, the opposite has happened, and apparently the the Liberal Party has been absolutely flooded with donations and money from Australia's gambling lobby. Uh, Tasmania has some of the most lax political donation laws in the country. Um, so none of the donations... Um, they can all come from different states. They don't have to be 
donations made from from companies in Tasmania. They can come from anywhere in the country, and they don't have to be disclosed uh, who they got the donations from or uh, how much they were for like up to nineteen months after an election. Apparently, uh, the the gambling lobby down there has been just absolutely flooding the airwaves and billboards and TV and everything with um, anti-labor, pro-liberal um, campaigns. Um, putting up big billboards that say, Labor and the Greens think you're stupid. What's next? Don't let them tell you what to do. <laughs> um, which is a great rebuttal. <laughs> <sighs> It's so patronizing. Don't you hate being told what to do? Um, they have so much contempt for the people they want to vote for them. It is just so disgusting. Uh, yeah. So of course, um, if you if you are Tas- in Tasmania, shout out to our Tasmanian listeners. Um, yeah, get out there and vote for vote for Labor. Get those fucking poker machines ripped out. Uh, do whatever you can. I can only hope that 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 state being absolutely bombarded with that sort of shit um, has the effect that that sometimes has, which is for people to cop so much of that message that they can really clearly see that someone is panicking and trying to force something on them through sheer numbers, you know? Just through sheer expenditure. Um, and every now and then, people... People, you know, they see that. They see the mind-numbing um, amount of money being spent on a political thing. Uh, but they can see through the lies and they can get it together and do the right thing. Like, vote for Donald Trump instead of Hillary Clinton. Mm. <laughs> that's an, uh, Wait, that's not a good example. Um, no, that's a great uh, example. Uh, and, and the swamp has been drained. That's it. Has it? Finally. <laughs> Finally. Let's not go any deeper on that one. Let's not. Uh, if anything, I mean, <laughs> is, is it ultimately beneficial to no longer have swaps? <laughs> oh, like, I feel like that would really disrupt the whole ecosystem. I mean, I feel like we need swamps. Like, I like uh, you get tortoises in them Here's sometimes. What I would do. Here's what I would I do. I like those. Turtles probably right. actually not I tortoises. personally... I would drain the swamps, but just to see what's under the bog. And I would take out like all the swamp things, uh, all the bunyips, all that kind of stuff. I'd leave. I'd leave. Th- but so by swamp things, you mean the multiple incarnations of yeah. swamp thing, Alan Moore's yes. swamp um, thing. But all the different ones, the different ones from comic books, the uh, the one from the movie. Oh, with Ray Wise, what a film! Um, so, so assuming that that's what we don't want in the swamp, I'd get those guys out of there. And I'd leave, like, all the, the crabs and the frogs and the turtles and stuff alone. And then I would just... Wait, hang on. I, 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 it might sound like I'm fixating on the swamp thing element here. Are you saying that we need to remove swamp thing? He's the protector of the environment. He's good. Well, yeah, but it's not like... Um, what are you getting rid of swamp thing I'm for? I'm saying this from the... I'm saying this from the perspective of the person who is a Republican candidate demanding that the swamp be drained. And um, you could hardly you could hardly say that the Republicans are the friends of the environment, could you? You could hardly say that the head of the EPA is going to be all like, swamp thing's my pal, he's a good guy. They're going to want to get him out of there, let's be realistic. I, I, just, I simply cannot comment on the relationship between swamp thing and the EPA. <laughs> <laughs> and that seems as good a place yep. as any to leave it today, folks. Uh, remember, if you're into it, uh, if you would like some extra extra hours of all of this talk and jazz every week, um, you can find us over on patreon.com forward slash Bunta Vista. And you can subscribe for an extra episode uh, every week, every goddamn week. Uh, we've even been talking about some some extra kinds of content, so we'll we'll keep you all up to date on that soon. Um, thank you to the kind souls who have been giving us reviews on um, iTunes, because you finally outbalanced <laughs> the two people who said mm, this is very left wing, and also this is not left wing enough, and you've brought us back up to a perfect rating of five stars. Uh, so we would like to thank you, but also. Keep doing the five star ratings. It's good for it's good for my ego for a start. And that's what counts. 
Uh, anything else? Anything else, guys? Anything else, Lucy? Mm, no, no. I think that's it. Nothing. Oh, uh, just for international listeners, uh, Barnaby Joyce got sacked. That's what the end of the story was. Oh, yep. Those, oh. those oh, yeah. <laughs> weeks, weeks and weeks of stuff. He finally stepped down. Uh, but in the fine Australian tradition, um, he he his salary just goes down a bit, and he still has a fucking job and a very large pension forever. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. When I say that he's sacked, he's very much still in government. Uh, he's just no longer the uh, yeah the deputy leader or deputy prime minister of the country. Uh, we've got another guy who wrote, wrote a series of extremely wildly homophobic things when he was the editor of a newspaper. Uh, so everything is looking great. Looking good for Australia. See you next week, folks. Bye. Bye. Bye.